we're in a new season. And I remember uh, hearing somebody use the phrase that sometimes marriages need to be reborn. They need, they need to understand their season has changed and what was right in one season is not okay in another season. You're listening to the Redefining Wealth podcast, where we chase purpose, not money. I'm your host, Patrice Washington. I've been known as a financial expert for well over a decade, but my heart is to truly teach the masses that wealth is so much more than just talking about money and material possessions. I believe, we believe in this community in the original 12th century definition of wealth, which says it's about the condition of well-being. So each and every week, I'm here to help us unpack what I refer to as the six pillars of wealth. And today's guest is here to talk about two pillars in particular. It's a combination of the people pillar, creating relationships that matter, and the faith pillar, believing in something greater. And I could not have found someone to help me personally navigate this season that I'm in, in particular, where my faith and my relationships, my intimate relationships are doing a very delicate dance. And if you identify as the strong one, in particular, a strong woman, and it feels like the weight of the world is on your shoulders right now. In so many ways, I know that you are gonna appreciate this conversation. Lisa Bevere talks today about recovering what was lost. And we spoke a little about, not a little, a lot about how pursuing your purpose can sometimes impact the relationships in your life, whether that is a friendship or your relationship with your children or your relationship with your significant other and not always impacted for good and how you have to turn that around sometimes. This is gonna be good. Before we jump in, let's get into the affirmation of the week. You know, you gotta speak positivity into your life, into your day. You gotta affirm positivity. You gotta affirm abundance. You gotta affirm yourself to well. This week's affirmation is I am recovering what was lost. Despite a colorful or chaotic past, I believe that I can regain possession of the things I feel were divinely assigned to me, not just from my generation, but from generations that flow through my DNA. Loss is a part of life, but I make a conscious decision that the impact of loss does not have to be permanent. I refuse to allow scarcity to be my portion and move forward expecting my purpose to walk me straight into abundance. I am open to the relationships and resources put on my path to help me salvage what is mine skillfully, strategically, and spiritually. Declare with me today, I am recovering everything that was lost. (laughs) 
Today's guest is Lisa Bevere. Lisa has spent over three decades empowering women of all ages to find their identity and purpose as a New York Times bestselling author, an internationally known minister, and co-founder of Messenger International, an organization committed to developing uncompromising followers of Christ who transform their world. Her books, which include Without Rival, Godmothers, Girls with Swords, Lioness Arising, Strong, and her recent devotional, Fiercely Loved, are in the hands of millions worldwide. And through the Messenger International Ministry, Lisa and her husband, John, have given away nearly 50 million resources in 116 languages. Without further ado, here is one of my favorite people, Lisa Bevere. Oh, I love you, Patrice. Oh, my gosh. I have to in- tell you guys in full transparency, Lisa and I have already recorded a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we just hadn't hit record. We have been uh, talking and she has just been pouring into me personally for the last 29 minutes. And just to honor her time, I'm like, Lisa, we we have got to record. And I think just continue this conversation um, because you all know on the podcast, you know, I'm very transparent uh, with you and you're very aware that I filed for divorce this year. And so to have an opportunity to speak to a woman that I admire so much, who's been married for how long? 40 years this October. Woo, who's been married for 40 years and who has a ministry that is very intentional about marriages and family. I'm like, you know what? I want everyone to hear this goodness. So Lisa, let me just start with this. Um, One of the things that I am struggling with personally in this season is that I truly believe that I was called to empower and equip women to build wealth holistically, right? And so as much as people think of financial wealth, you know me and the pillars, I want us to redefine wealth for ourselves and be clear about what that looks like in every area of our life. And so of course, when it came to me making a decision after I turned 40 last year that I needed to dissolve my marriage in order to be who I believe God is calling me to be. Like um, I told the audience before, One of my coaches gave me an exercise and it was um, called the willing to lose list. What are you willing to lose to become everything you know God is calling you to be? And it's not that you want to lose it, but you understand that some things will have to be pruned. And sometimes some people will have to be pruned from your life for you to truly show up and be obedient and do what you're being called to do. And for me, my marriage was a part of that. It was a part of the list. I don't have any regrets about making the decision that I've made. Um, We kind of talked about this. I believe liberation is two-sided, right? I do. I heard Glennon Doyle say that about Elizabeth Gilbert told her that Um, liberation is two-sided. So I believe that while I'm experiencing a certain level of freedom, I believe that this experience has also gifted the same to Gerald. But while I believe that I was called to empower women in this way, being in a season where I'm having clients come to me and say, I'm finally living my dreams. I, I understand what you mean by chase purpose, not money. I'm leaving my job because now this thing that was supposed to just be a side thing is big and I'm making more money than I've ever made. And I'm happier in this, but now I'm, I'm, 
feeling challenged with my spouse. Now it feels like he thinks that I'm just going to leave because I have options or he's being resistant or I don't feel like he can celebrate my wins. And I'm seeing all of this happen in the midst of what I'm experiencing. And Lisa, it's heartbreaking because I don't, I don't want to see families be torn apart. I don't, just because of my experience right now, that doesn't mean that I'm like, yeah, girl, leave that man. I'm not like that. <laughs> like everybody stay put, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want to see everybody win and I want to see marriages flourish. And I am not bitter. I believe in love. I believe in partnership. I believe in family, all of those things. But here I sit in this season, a little torn because what do I say? Well, first of all, um, it can be that way. It can be that your spouse celebrates you. But I think that when one person succeeds, our mindset is that the other person has failed. And so we need to actually address that. You know, you just said a couple of things. You believe in family. You believe in love. You believed in marriage, but your spouse didn't. Because if he had, he would have valued it in a different way. And so I think what we have to say is we're in a new season. And I remember uh, hearing somebody use the phrase that sometimes marriages need to be reborn. They need, they need to understand their season has changed and what was right in one season is not okay in another season. And, you know, when, when my husband and I were in the empty nest stage, I mean, think about it. I got married when you were born. <laughs> think about that, basically. October 2nd, 1982. I don't know when you were born, but. 81. <laughs> okay, so we've been doing it for a long time, John and I. And the first 10 years have not looked like the last 10 years, and they shouldn't. And so what we had to do is have really hard conversations. Um, my husband and, and, you know, a lot of men by nature have been trained. If you allow your wife to flourish, you won't be able to control her anymore. I John told me, one of our dearest friends said, John, don't let your wife be a minister. Don't let her be a speaker. Don't let her write books because if she does, She's going to go out there and what, what might happen to you? And I remember John really saying, wow, so what you're telling me is I should hold my wife back from what God has put on her so that I can feel secure? He said, I can't, I can't do that. So we both made a choice. The Bible is very clear. It says one sets a thousand to fly to 10,000. We also know how can two walk together unless we're walking in agreement. And so what you have to be able to do is change some languages. You have to be able to say, hey, a win for Patrice is a win for everybody connected to Patrice. A win for Lisa is a win for my husband, John. A win for John is a win for Lisa. There's a scarcity divisive mindset that has been around our culture. It's, it's, it's something that undermines actually what we're hoping to build because there's way more beauty and wealth if we can get on the other side of this and not have to make the wrong choices. 
And so, you know, for John and I, we, we had to have some hard conversations. I had to say, why when I succeed, I feel like I have to hide it. Why when you succeed, it's okay to celebrate. Yeah. Why? And, and he was like, I don't know why. And I said, well, I don't think it's my problem. I think you need to take that. And you need to, you need to bathe that in some contemplation and prayer because that's not healthy. And he came back, he was like, yeah, it's not healthy. Where did I get that from? And so everything in our culture, and I would even say everything in our entertainment world is feeding this divisive comparison and competition. And we're going to have to be very intentional to speak a different narrative. Yeah. It seems so crazy and just counterproductive to be competing with your teammate. Like, <laughs> it, like I feel like it should be us against the world. Like, whatever out there we are trying to conquer, we should be doing that together. Not, you know... So John and I are experts at one another's weaknesses. We became so intimately acquainted with everything wrong with the other person, I think in year two of our marriage. And so we, like, I was like, oh, what are you, wait, what are you doing? No, you know, and so we started to use our strengths to point out the other person's weaknesses, but that's how enemies interact. Oh, I was just going to say, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. It is a recipe for disaster. So what we had to do is flip it and become experts in one another's strengths. Because normally one person's strengths covers the other person's weaknesses. And so allies, when they sit at the table, they sit on the same side and they put a problem on the other side of the table. What's happening is most couples are sitting on the opposite side of the table and they see the other person as the problem, but the other person is not the problem. The other person is their ally to solve the problem. And so what we need to do is say, we're putting this over here and we are going to speak to one another like we are allies. I'm not going to attack you. I'm not going to blame you. I mean, we can, yeah, I mean, a lot of times, you know, one person might've caused a little bit of that problem to happen, but now you are on the same team. So it isn't their problem. It becomes our problem. You know, I, uh, I had some interesting interactions with my husband, the first four to, four to eight years of our marriage for the first four years uh, at a minimum, whenever he did something wrong, I shamed him. I blamed him. I brought up every single incident that reminded me of that incident. And I remember I thought, you know what? I'm going to bring this to a crisis and I'm going to, to make this man realize just everything he has done wrong. And I just was so proud of myself that I had this list that was just like a, a lawyered up uh, argument against my husband. And I remember I, I locked him out of the house, Patrice, and I sent him away somewhere. And I said, you can come back on Sunday so we can go to church together because all about appearances. It didn't really matter about <laughs> the hard work. And so 
I remember on that Saturday being alone saying, I know, you know, God, I know you're mad at this man. I know you're going to talk to him. Maybe you should give him a bad dream or maybe a, a small car accident, but you need to wake him up. And all I know is that God said to me, John needs to change. But in order for him to change, you need to forgive him. I was like, what? Why is that always me? Why is it always me? What? No, that is not right. And he said, when your husband comes home, I want you to look at him and say, I believe you want to change. And I forgive you. I said, but there's so many things I've saved for this kind of fight. There's so many things I've listed that I've never used in an argument. I don't want to give those up. And God was like, that is not how I treat you. Mm. That is not how I treat you. And it is the goodness of God that leads me to a life change. It is the kindness that leads me back to truth. And again, I think there's a difference between kindness and endorsement. So I can be kind and still have consequence. I can be kind and still have boundaries. I can be kind and still acknowledge that something's not right. So I think the language changes of this is not healthy. This is not, this is not what I see for our future. How are we going to move this forward? Instead of you're jealous of my success. Well, that may be a hundred percent true, but let's put the ally on one side of the table and see if they can make that adjustment and see if they can move forward. Because I believe that every single week you can either have a good marriage or a bad marriage. I have a confession to make. My relationship with looking good is so complicated. I don't know if you're anything like me, but I like high quality clothes. I just don't like going shopping and I definitely don't always want to pay high quality prices, if you know what I'm saying. Plus, I don't always want to wear the same stuff over and over again. So I was super excited when I found out about the clothing rental membership armoire because they are making getting dressed stylish, but super easy. When I signed up, I took a five minute style quiz and based on my preferences, they offered suggestions that would best match my lifestyle. I'm filming in a few weeks and I literally just got the cutest blazers delivered to my door in as little as two days. And when I'm ready for new clothes, I can just swap them out for more new to me styles. So whether you're planning your outfit for a date night, packing for a conference, or in need of a gown for some black tie event, you will be the best dressed person in the room and you won't have to feel bad for only wearing something once. Now, what I also love is that Armoire is woman-founded and women-led. They even spotlight women-owned designers on their website. So I know I'm wearing brands that are aligned with my values. I love that I can support a business that's built by women like me. If you're ready to have your dream closet delivered to your door, you might want to try Armoire. I promise you will never be without the perfect outfit for any occasion ever again. And right now, Redefining Wealth listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash wealth. That is armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash wealth to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. 
Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It happens that fast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, in one week, it can be great. The next week, like, who are you? I literally yeah. woke up like, what a difference a year makes. Like, I, you couldn't have told me about a year ago that this is the path that I would be on. Like, I just, it was just not even in my realm of awareness that it, I needed to um, get to this point. So I understand when you're like, oh, a week, <laughs> like a week can make a difference. And you wake up and you're like, yeah. You know, one of the things that I hear quite a bit um, from women that listen to the podcast, reach out in the DMs or just are in my programs is that they do feel like all of the books, especially Christian books are catered towards women. They feel like there's so many books catered towards women learning how to be better, learning how to forgive, learning how to pray for your spouse, like all of this stuff. And it's like, kind of like you said in that moment, why do I mm-hmm. always have to do the work? That's what it feels like. What 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 do you think about that? Well, first and foremost, publishers are out to make money and they know that women buy 90% of the books, which does say something that women want to see their marriages work. They're willing to do the hard work. Like you said, they're willing to pray for the spouse. They're willing to do whatever. Um, It's tragic that the men are not as well equipped. And again, that's feeding the bad thing. Margaret Mead said, every time you liberate a woman, you liberate a man. So if a woman gets free, it doesn't put a man in captivity. So what we need to say is, all right, what what would be the reason that I'm wired for connection? And I think it's because women are guardians of the heart. Women are, they're intimately connected with a problem. I had somebody uh, DM me this morning and she's going through a, a, a very interesting journey. I really feel like she's on the threshold of getting a, a real breakthrough. And so she's dealing with things that have been the core issues. And she told me, she said, Lisa, it's the women who have hurt me in my life. She said, when I was raped, it was the women who shamed me. It was the ones I thought would be there for me were the ones that put the most guilt on me. And I said, all right. I said, the truth is I have been hurt by men, but wounded by women. And I said, the reason is I've opened up my heart to other women. I give them intimate access. And then there was a betrayal. So if we can wound intimately as women, we can heal intimately others as women because we are accessing the heart. And so I think women will automatically go to what is what is wrong? How can I fix it? How can I fix it? But the truth is there's somebody else's will involved. And so you can do, I mean, that's why I think the scripture when it says as much as is in your power, live at peace with everyone. So there comes a place where it's outside of my control. It's outside of my power. It's outside of my choices. I can choose how I respond, but that's not within my power. I can't control. My, my parents got divorced twice. And I remember the, they divorced, remarried, divorced again. And um, I remember my mom said that God told her, I've called you to peace. I've called you to peace. There came a place where 
it, it was enough. Yeah. And God was like, baby girl, you need some peace in your life. Yeah. I resonate with that. And it's so funny as you were speaking, um, I actually was gifted strong by our mutual girl, Brooke Thomas. She oh, was a Brooke so cool. we love yes. um, who introduced us. And I actually was going to ask you about that. One of the devotional days was peace and conflict. Yeah. And there was a story that you tell about a friend who you had inadvertently offended and you didn't quite know what happened. I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you still don't know. I love that you talked about that because, you know, you say you searched your heart and you went to her and you asked her if there was anything that you had done to hurt or offend her. Um, you volunteered the fact that you realized you could have been offensive without your knowledge. She said it was nothing, but she continued to keep distance. And then you said, well, I'm going to send her a gift. And then, you know, there was nothing, no response. And you went again in person. And what I love is um, that you talked to a different friend, a mutual friend. And I want to read it this way. You poured the whole story out and attempt to make sense of it. Finally, after listening to the whole thing, she said, Lisa, have you asked her to forgive you? Yes, I assured her. Have you reached out? Yes, repeatedly, I said. If you've done all of this and she still won't receive you, you have to let it go. And you talk about how her words set you free and you realize that you had to obey Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Yeah. And there was something even so freeing for me reading that because mm -hmm. I think sometimes we just feel kind of like you said, um, kindness doesn't mean endorsement, doesn't mean don't have boundaries. It doesn't mean, right, as a, as a woman who identifies as a Christian, you feel like, okay, we need to be like kumbaya, right? Like we need to be cordial. And even if we're not best, best friends, we still need to hang out. We still need to, you know, here and there. And it's like, no, let it go. It is okay. It's yeah. okay not to know, but for you to maintain your peace, even in the midst of whatever conflict, especially when someone is not willing to do not, not do their part because they don't have to, they have a choice, they have free will, but they're not willing to make the efforts to reconcile and make the relationship whole again. So what do you do? You have to let it go and you have to make sure you understand it's often not about you. It's often about something so outside of you. It could be they're going through something that they just don't have the emotional energy. They've, they're like, they're shutting down in certain areas. I, you know, I had an, I think, I think we all have these kind of relationships with different women. I, I remember there was a woman that would call me and she would say all like, I felt like she, um, this is before I knew better. I let her emotionally dump on me, but I was not in a position to fix anything. So there's incredible frustration that happens when I feel emotionally responsible for something I have no authority to deal with. And so she would dump and I would feel responsible, but I would just be carrying it around because I had no authority, no voice into it, no ability to bring any kind of resolution and then some time passed, John's and my position passed, changed. John and I went from being uh, pastors on staff to being 
outcasts. And so now all of a sudden we're outcasts, no reserve parking, we're sitting in the back, you know, <laughs> this kind of thing. And it was before John became a big deal or whatever, you know, and before the Beta Satan book. Anyway, we, um, I remember she wrote me a, a letter and then she kind of said something about flipping everything about on me. Like I can't, and I was like, wait, I was never saying anything. It was you, you know, she said all this stuff. And, and then she closed it with, I hope you understand. And I mean, I sat down, Patrice, to write a letter. And I was like, it was you. <laughs> I had, it was you. And I, you made me feel uncomfortable. And I mean, I was writing and, and God was like, that, that's not what she asked you. She asked you if you understood. Mm. And he said, Lisa, you actually understand. And so I just wrote her back a note and I said, I understand. And there comes a place where the emotional energy to defend your position, argue, you know, all this kind of dynamic that we feel we owed us somebody. God's like, no, mm. you bless them. You leave a blessing in your wake. You bless, you don't curse. You leave a blessing in your wake and you keep walking. And there's, there's a dynamic right now where God is doing something beautiful among his daughters. He is, he is blessing them. And it, we need to be very careful that we are not in contention and strife because it, if we, God doesn't bless contention and strife. So if, if we're in a position of we say, I am going to pursue purpose, then if I'm in contention and strife, I'm, I'm going to lose what I'm pursuing. So even in, even in the scriptural dynamic of this woman who comes in to a place where she is completely uninvited, she is in the presence of Pharisees, she is a wealthy woman, she is a woman, a lot of people think she's a, a prostitute, a woman of ill repute, she comes in, she's weeping, she's anointing Jesus with expensive perfume and she's crying and drying his feet with his tears and I love how the message paraphrase says Jesus looking at the woman but speaking to Simon and I feel like God is saying my eyes are on my daughters I'll speak to those critics I'll speak to those Pharisees but what we are doing is we're engaging with those who cannot bless us. We are arguing with our oppressors. We are arguing with the people that made things wrong and telling them they need to make it right. And I feel like God's saying, do you understand who I am? Do you understand that I am the one who gives you power to create wealth? That not just you would have abundance, but to break a cycle of illegitimacy and brokenness and uh, I'll, like for okay I'll just talk about me I remember looking at the scriptures Patrice for the first time in a very different way it says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost we always just say the lost but see Jesus came to restore every single area that suffered loss that means relationships between males and females, sister to sister, brother to brother, parents to children, people to the earth. And when we only preach a gospel of, oh, you've been lost, now you're found. 
And we don't preach to what has been lost. So I sat down with my boys and I said, I need to tell you what's been lost in our family. I come from crazy people. I come from, my parents were married, divorced, remarried, divorced again. My grandmother was married four times. And I said, but let me just tell you something. My great grandmother, oh, she was flipping houses during the depression. And let me tell you about even going further back. We were Quakers and the Quakers had this idea that slavery was wrong and they created an underground. I'm, not, I'm like, we need to know there is justice in our past, even though there's adultery, there's nonsense. I mean, I have a grandfather who is a 32nd degree Mason who was part of the Manhattan Project. So I said, okay, if we develop the atom bomb, let me just tell you, there's something in one of us that thinks differently, that looks creatively at solutions. You need to recover that. You need to redeem that. And I said, for everything that's been lost, I want to see something be found in my marriage. I want to see God bless. And so I remember Patrice, my mother lost three children. My grandmother almost died in childbirth. And I had such an awareness that I was the beginning of a thousand generations that could live different. Instead of saying, well, I'm never going to forgive my mom for how she treated me. See, I watched my mom never forgive her mom. And I saw everything that my mom never forgave her mom for. I saw it expressed in my mother's life. It looked a little different, but I recognized a pattern. And so I said, no, going forward. This is a new generation of wealth, of love, of taking back territory. And so I think too many people, even when they're looking at their purpose, they need to see that their purpose is always about recovering what was lost. So we need to look what's been lost to know what we have woven within us to be found. Do you want to hear something totally crazy? Yes. You know, I wrote a book called Girls with Swords. When I was right, when I was researching the book, I happened to look into the back of the book and I saw this term. It said a woman on a mission. I thought, oh, interesting with fencing. So I opened it up and it says Julia Jones Puglisi believed that the American women need to have a more vibrant, influential voice in the world of fencing. Well, guess what? I have a grandma whose last name is Puglisi. And somehow this other person with the same last name as my grandmother was the one who introduced fencing to the US as an Olympic sport. And now like decades later, I'm writing a book about swords. Does that happen? I mean, does that happen? I'm like, what, what in the world just happened here? But see, God weaves our DNA with wonder. And there's things woven in you and there's things woven in me and there's things woven in every single person under the sound of my voice. And God says he hides something. It, it, it's a, a king will hide something, but it is our glory to search it out. And so we're alive here, not to be uh, in the image of our given name, but in to be in the image, grow into the image of our real name. And there's a real name that's attached to our real destiny. And we've all been called names, 
but there is a new revelation of who we really are. You know, I love uh, how with this interaction with Peter, when Jesus is asking him, who are people saying I am? It's like, oh, some people think you're Elijah raised from the dead. And some people think this. And then he says, but who do you say I am? And he says, you're the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And then Jesus said, because God has shown you who I really am, I'm going to tell you who you really are. See, we all know who we've really been. And the word Simon means read like, it means to sway. It means to lean in the direction of what you hear. But when God actually begins to ascend to a generation of women, I'm sorry, you're not Simon anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be swept with every opinion, every critic, every fear. You're, you're Peter. You're, the rock. you're a rock. You're immovable. You're invincible. But you and I both know that most battles you win by just outlasting your opponent. Just staying consistent and true because the truth will always outlive a lie and the truth doesn't have to yell it just has to do when i started podcasting i had nothing no fancy equipment no cover art no theme music i just had this burning desire that i was supposed to use my purpose of helping people redefine wealth in the podcasting space and so with some intentional planning I launched what became the Redefining Wealth podcast in just three weeks. That was four years ago. And today, the Redefining Wealth podcast has over 9 million downloads. We've interviewed everyone from celebrities to entertainers to authors and thought leaders. We've been featured everywhere from Success Magazine to Cosmopolitan and even Good Morning America. Now, why do I share all that? Because I'm not special. The truth is, this started with leaning into my purpose and being willing to use my voice in a powerful way. And I bet that there's something that's calling you as well, something that you need to use your voice to amplify in the marketplace. So I wanna help you do that. If you're finally ready to use your voice and launch a podcast that aligns with your purpose, I wanna invite you to check out my intentional online training, Podcast with Purpose. You can find out more details at podcastwithpatrice.com. That's podcastwithpatrice.com. Your purpose deserves to be amplified, and I want to help you do that. Have I told you enough today that I love you? I was just going to say I love you, Patrice. I feel like other people are just listening, looking, we're looking into each other's eyes and tearing up because we both have such a heart to see our sisters flourish, flourish, and we don't want to see them distracted by the chains of their past, by the voice of detractors. We, we want you to know that you're being raised up for you to raise others up. And that includes those husbands that are scared right now. So I'm just gonna believe that they're gonna have strategic words to be able to lift those men up and say, it's a win. It's a win. It's a win for all of us. It's a win for our children. It's a win. And I'm not, flourishing so that I can flee. I'm flourishing so that we can just see everything that we were created to be realized. I'm not flourishing so that I can flee. Oh, 
just even how you articulated that that's it mm-hmm. that's it i know that so many women in particular listening right now that that just they felt that in their belly i'm sure this is a moment you guys are going to rewind and rewind and rewind and you should i'm not flourishing so that i can flee if we could just like put that on some t-shirts get a few blimps going throughout america here like i'm not flourishing so i can flee i'm flourishing so you can be free we could just make this thing happen but no it it is the truth the most courageous thing i can ever be and do is everything that was in me being realized yeah and the feeling of of needing to dim diminish hide that is and it like it becomes intolerable yeah it just it just becomes intolerable and just going back to how we kind of started with the coach that gave me the assignment yeah what do you want what are you willing to lose to be everything that you know god is calling you to be and it's really subtle because had you asked me before I did not feel like I was hiding. I did not feel like I was dimming anything. I felt like I was managing a situation and just being aware, right? And like just giving time for growth because I do believe that everyone deserves the dignity of their own process. So giving time for growth, but not really realizing how making those little considerations become what feels like little considerations here and there starts to chip away at you and feel like a complete betrayal to yourself but then ultimately to the god that gave me the assignment like ultimately i want to get to the end of my life and know that god was pleased and know that i literally used everything everything that I could possibly use to do the work that I was put here to do. He will make everything, everything work together for good if you are called according to his purpose. And so that I love that you have such a focus on purpose, purpose. We are all created for a purpose with purpose and and I I love that 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 is your focus, you know I uh, and I want to I want to say it our mamas can do things to us sometimes they don't mean to do. I remember um, I had to actually say I'm going to have to move on with God. What I can't drag her. I can't drag my mama with me. And um, God said you go out and you embrace freedom. And once you've stepped into all that I have, you can bring it back, but you can't carry her with you. And there comes these moments where we try to drag people along with us. And and it, we actually will never actually realize the strength of fully what we need to bring back. And so there are certain things that God says, I told you to do that, Mm -hmm. whether they came or not. I told you, I told you. And that's that's what, that's what, I mean, for me as a coach, that's what prevents most people from operating in their purpose 
is that they're trying to get a like um, validation or yeah. they're trying to get a consensus from everyone else that it is okay to move forward. And well, I think that's where it starts to like rise up because you come into Purpose to Platform or Command the Stage, my programs, right? And then I am like, you can do it, right? I am like pushing people into purpose. And then they like, I can, I'm gonna do this. They start to own it and they're not asking everyone for permission anymore. So right. the people who may have benefited in some form or fashion from them denying their gifts, not using their purpose, playing small, you know, dimming their light, yeah. they raise up, they don't like it. And then here we are. I remember I needed advice on something and I called the wrong person and literally, literally Patrice, I'm listening to them and one, I'm like, I asked them for advice. I'm listening to it. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, you never ask advice of someone who is not where you want to go. Why are you talking to this person? Why are you, why did you ask them? He said, you need to find someone who is where you want to go. And when, what's happening is we're looking back. And whenever we look back, we go back. So what we have to say is in, in a new season, there's a pioneering anointing. And, and when you pioneer, you're taking territory that has never been taken. So you can't go back to the settlement and say, is this a good idea? You have to pioneer. I remember John and I, we, when we first started, you know, like whatever this thing is, because God is doing a something. He's doing a something that a lot of us don't have words to frame well. And, and I remember John and I wanting to belong. Say, so, okay, who can we be part of? And God said, I've called you to begin not to belong. And he said, when you've actually pioneered, you'll find out who is is already there and you know i think there's this longing for affirmation from people who don't understand so we need to get a little bit better at pondering certain things in our heart we need to protect them and not not throw it out to the masses because they you know and, and even the, there's a scripture on that says don't give to dogs what is sacred and don't cast your pearls before a swine. Most people make that about the swine, but it's not about the swine. It's about how you are handling a sacred entrustment and the dreams that God weaves in our lives and for our lives and through our lives are sacred. And so I have to decide, am I going to brag? Am I going to share this hoping for affirmation or am I gonna treasure it and am I going to surround myself with women like Patrice? Am I going to surround myself with women who are, yes, I give you full permission. I give you full permission to obey God. I'm not going to give you half permission. I'm going to give you full permission. We've, we've got to make a conscious choice of who we allow in the room. And too many people are allowing the random arrows of critics to wound them. Those people are, they're not your friends. You know, they're not even your fans. These are people that do not have the right to have that much voice in your life. If you can't, if you can't touch them, if you don't have their cell phone number, why would you give them that much access to your heart? We have to be so careful because we have a generation that thinks they're being vulnerable when they're actually just being naked. 
And so we, we don't, we don't want you stripping yourself and setting yourself up to be attacked. We want you to be vulnerable, but only with the right people. Again, going back to scripture, it said that Jesus did not reveal his heart to man because he knew it was in the hearts of men. You got to know, you got to know who you can trust with your heart. And that is not everyone. I wish it was true, but it's not. Have I told you today that I love you? <laughs> <laughs> if I told you, why are you not here? <laughs> oh my gosh. I could literally talk to you all day. Like a page of notes. I want you, to just. You just, need, you just need us to see you in Godmother. See, this is it. <laughs> we we love a, a Sicilian Godmother because I love that you're also very sassy. Um, <laughs> Sicilians are sassy. Yes, very sassy, but then you'll bring us right on back to the word, which I love. I am just so grateful, um, so grateful just for your wisdom today. And I believe that this conversation is really going to be a blessing to this audience. And I just pray that that folks share this. And one of the things I love is because you are such a strong woman. And I, you know, I know you have tons of books and other devotionals, but this devotional, um, what the moment I read the back and it says strong is not wrong. I was like, this is my girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, like, because sometimes you say strength is a calling and a command, but where we draw our strength from is just as important as how we display it. And you just walk and talk that you embody that on and off stage, on and off camera, on and off the mic. Like, I am just so inspired by your strength and your example. Like, well, I'm inspired by you, Patrice. You are an elegant, beautiful, strong example. I believe that God is going to anoint you in this season of vulnerability in ways that you, you can't even imagine. And I just love that you would give me this honor and this time to be with you. And I just want you to know there is, is a, a, a older woman cheering you on and wanting you to just see the best is yet before you. I believe that. Mm -hmm. I believe it and I receive it. I know yeah. the audience is going to get me if I don't ask you our rapid yeah. wisdom questions. Because yeah. when I get all in my feelings, I forget. And they're like, excuse me, what were the answers? <laughs> okay, so let me just do it. So really quickly, the redefining wealth rapid wisdom questions. So okay. tell us the first thing that comes to mind. Um, first one is, how do you define success? I'm not doing rapid. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, organic union of every area of your life. So that it's healthy in family, marriage, friendships, and finances. Love it. Define wealth in three words or less. The ability to bless. That is way more than three words. The we'll give you ability to bless. Okay. Ability to bless. Ability to bless. <laughs> yes. Love it. Okay. <laughs> What's one book that has redefined how you see wealth? Actually... You're gonna be surprised. The Bible. I'm not surprised by that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and here's the last one. It's a fill in the blank. 
My name is, and to me, the truth about wealth is. My name is Lisa, and the truth about wealth is important. Break that down a little bit more. I just think there's such deception when it comes to women and the idea of wealth. I, uh, you and I both had the privilege of speaking with uh, Sweet Teresa's um, event. And I told her, I said, I'll put you on Instagram. I'm going to tell you, my people are going to get mad. My people are going to get mad that you're helping women create wealth. They're, gonna, they're just going to, they're going to be like, this is about money. People don't understand that money is not a problem. Money is a revealer. The lack of money and the abundance of money reveal what's in your heart. Just as the lack of authority and the abundance of authority reveal what's in your heart. And so if we continue to think money is the problem, it will never come to us and it will go to the wrong places and we will not be able to do the right things and the good things and the generous things because we have a greedy, frightened, scarcity mindset in our own being. So if I, I believe that if, if God can get it right, he will get whatever he needs to get through you. But if, if you're like money's evil, you will mistreat it. You will mishandle it. Money is a tool. It is neutral and we need more of it to do more good in our world and yeah. rather than being enslaved by the government. Mm-hmm. Oh, I so agree. And it's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about supporting women and making more money because I know the women in my community are going to do good things with the money. They are going to sow into others. They're going to give in mighty ways. They're going to just do things that are such a blessing, not just for themselves, but to communities and the world. And if you don't have it, like if you're trying to figure out your light bill, you can't be a light worker. Yeah. Like not, not to the magnitude that I believe, you know, most people can. So I totally agree. Um, again, thank you for being here. Thank well, you I love you. Giving me all this extra time. We did a 30 <laughs> minute non-recorded episode. I may, I the may, episode. I may have just missed my next interview or maybe oh my I don't care. It was so worth it. I love you so much. I love you. Thank you for being here. You guys, please follow Lisa on all platforms. Lisa, can you tell everyone about the app they need to download? Yes. So it's Messenger X and there's no space between the word Messenger and X. And it is a free app in 116 languages. And we have everything from how to be a lioness to finding your calling to marriage things to finance things to short films and things for kids and teenagers. So it's it's a ridiculous library that is amazing and just every single day over a thousand people join incredible that is the messenger x app everyone look out for that download it today make sure you're connected with lisa in social media it's just at lisa bevere right that is correct at lisa bevere b-e-v-e-r-e tell her that you you heard her you saw her on the redefining wealth podcast and please let her know what a blessing this was this is definitely something i'm gonna have to listen to myself over (laughs) and over again um because there were so many gems lisa i love you thank you 
Uh, to all the purpose chasers out there, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Redefining Wealth. Until next time, I want you to go live your life's purpose, find fulfillment, and continue to earn more without feeling like you have to chase money. I'll talk to you later. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.